Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 31-2 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernu. And every week we listen to great games, great music. We listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. I had a weird brain spasm. I don't know what happened there. We listen to bleeps, bloops, and occasional blobs. All of yeah, the, the I don't know about the blobs. <laughs> I think the, I think the blobs were, were were around the pong generation. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Burp, burp, burp. Ah, pong was a great game. <laughs> but every week we pick a topic and we list we pick some tracks regarding that topic and we just kind of dive into it. Um, uh, and if you're just catching up with us or if you've been listening to us for a while, we do have a Patreon. We are a Patreon supported show. Go to www.patreon.com/slash/rhythmandpixels. And you get access to cool stuff like uh, monthly live shows and uh, prequel episodes. And this week we talk about zombies and uh, biscuits. And actually, that's a, <laughs> a good segue into yeah. something I've been thinking about in the last couple of days. Though go. it's going to get postponed a little because you know, bills come in the mail. Medical bills suck. But uh, so obviously we appreciate everyone who listens to this show. And we appreciate our patrons. And we appreciate, you know, just having that community. So something clicked in my head and I'm actually going to go through with it. But this is going to suck, but we'll see how this goes. So if you wrote in a track for the gift giving Patreon episode last month and provide a testimonial for that product, I'll give you 20 bucks for a game, specifically for a game. though. So it has to be like credit <laughs> towards the game. So and I did the math. So I know how many people there are and all that good stuff. So what you'd have to do if you were one of those people right into the show and just let me know and say what console you'd prefer to get the credits on. International people, I might have to do something different because I swear it's impossible to find anything uh, regarding how to give people money that are not in America <laughs> in eShop or PSN or Xbox credit. Yeah. So let us know or, or we'll end up reaching out to you. Yes. All right. So basically, so just to reiterate, if you submitted a track with a testimonial for the gift giving Patreon episode in December, because that was, you know, gift giving tracks that you'd give to others and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, just a feel good vibe, you know? So just saying, you know, thank you for listening to our show and being awesome people. We greatly appreciate yeah. you. And also I'm thinking we should do some kind of contest or something for some of these old t-shirts. We have um, some uh, Rhythm and Pixels classic t-shirts that have never been worn. We have an original that my nephew made. <laughs> I remember that shirt. We have a misprint of the Run VGM. <laughs> and we have a classic. We have the classic. And I uh, still wear my classic too. So um, yeah, the classic with us in our little pixel form that we don't really use anymore. Um, so we'll come up with some kind of cool some kind of cool um, giveaway for that stuff because I've, I've been having these t-shirts sitting around thinking about it and this is the year to do it. 2022. The year of the thing. <laughs> past two years we screwed up. We're going we're gonna to do this one. We're going to get it right. We're going to get it right this year. Um, all right. So this week we're talking about our top games of 2021 and you know how many games I played last year. <laughs> we can count them on one finger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, in my case, I've played an absurd amount, and yet somehow I feel like 
it wasn't particularly hard to narrow it down, and yet I can also say that it can change at the roll of the dice. Uh, thankfully, like there was a Hey Poor Player thing a couple weeks ago where we like took votes on our favorite games and we had to write about them. And I feel like my top tracks, my top games that I voted on, didn't change much from then to now. So oh. that's a good thing. But I stand with the belief that two weeks from now, I could have a completely different list. I, wa- I wonder if anything... Okay, so for me, since I played Persona last year, I was bad at video games. I, this year, like, is um, today's, this is the year I'm going to play more than one. You could play two. I mean, if you listen back to our, to our show, if, you, if you're an avid listener of our show, we've been doing this for six years. I've talked about games that I've played. <laughs> I just teased you about it. Um, you were playing that detective game with Christy at one point with the boat. On the, you were in that village with the huts. Yeah, I mean, that was a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a fun weekend. Um, but I'm uh, So what I'm doing is I'm picking games that came out last year that I would like to play this year. Um, games that I, I knew about or maybe didn't know about that I, I, like, I, I really want to get into. And actually... Um, two of these I'm definitely going to play. Two of the other ones I don't think I'll play because they're on Switch or they're on PC, which I don't tend to play on my PC. Hey, Switch could happen. Um, it could happen. It could happen. Um, I'm trying to... Con- so my my brother-in-law said, hey, I'm thinking about getting my kids a game console. What should I do? And I said, Switch. Give them a Switch. Switch. And he's like, are you sure? Like, are they going to be able to play what they want and then also have family-friendly? And I said, yes, all of it. No, I mean, the question... <laughs> the real question, because like, what... When he says play what they want, it's like, what do they want? Like, I mean, like the kid, they're 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 obsessed with Apex Legends. That's all. That's they, on Switch. That's all they play. That's all Mark plays. And, <laughs> so. and I think they want to see them like kind of broaden their their horizons on games. And and um, I think Roshan, but he's not in the house anymore. He plays um uh, Rocket League. But all, all that on stuff's Switch. on Switch. And I was like, yeah, but then you also get like all the cool Mario stuff. You get all the cool indie stuff. There's and, a lot and, of indie and stuff. And if you don't want it on the TV, they can pick it up and take it with them. Just tell your brother. If he isn't sure, say Pernell has all of them, and somehow he's down to his last hundred gigs on a terabyte <laughs> card on his Switch, like the Switch. And I, I mean, I have the PS5, and I play the Switch more than that. Like people in the game community hear that and think I lost my ever-loving mind. I'm like, no, I just really prefer the Switch. Like I know it's not as powerful. I don't care. I prefer the Switch. If the Switch was as powerful as the PS5, I would just be happier. <laughs> like, it doesn't... The power isn't important to me. It isn't, right? Like, the games themselves don't require... Like, they don't all require, like, that much processing power. So the ones that do, great. That's awesome. You like, know what? But like, like, I saw people complain recently about Disgaea 6, which up until, you know, 6, most of them started on PS PlayStation systems, and right. they got ported to other things. I remember that. But yeah. Disgaea 6 came out exclusively on the Switch, mm. and people were like, well... Wake me up when you put it on a powerful console like the PlayStation or something. Wake me up inside. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there thinking, like, first of all, <laughs> even when they were talking about how PS, like, PS4 had, like, the Sky uh, 4 or whatnot, and they were like, no, sorry, PS3 had the Sky 4 and PS4 had the Sky 5, and they're like, the power of the systems, look what they could do. And I'm like, it's still 2D sprites getting wild animations. Yeah. They could totally work with that on these systems they wanted to optimize it. I don't see, I can't, like, heck, the Sky 5 is on the Switch, like, right now. <laughs> like, the Sky 6 was a pull back, as far as, like, a lot of people say for graphics, mm. because they went with 3D models for the first time. Oh, wow. But... I have no doubt that they put their they put their mind to it and put the work in. They can make it look totally good on the Switch mm. without needing to go to the PS5. The PlayStation, they would not come close 
to utilizing what the PlayStation 5 could do for Disgaea. They would not. I play I play NIST games all the time. I wonder. I, wa- I wonder if it's just an arms race now where it's like, okay, the PC can do this, right? And you can upgrade your PC infinitely. Even the PC ain't doing it. So, like, no, I mean, like, the, 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 the Sonys and the Microsofts, like, they're selling these consoles, and it's just like, okay, well, everything that you want can run on our last system, but we got to sell a new one. That's exactly what it is. So what are we going to do? That's exactly what it is. Like, these systems... We hit a wall. Not a wall, but we've hit like a event horizon of video game consoles. Like I'm sure someone listening can hit me with the whole, well, this system has does anti-aliasing better or handles blacks better. I don't know. Maybe if but you want when ray, lay- yeah, if you want ray tracing in your 3D game, that's great. But you know what is like not every game is going to be able to have a development studio big enough. Most can't. Like think of it like this, that. right? Like I look at a lot of these games, like Limited Runs putting out, and uh, heck, even a lot of games I'm just seeing in general hit like the market, like a lot of the indie games. That hit because for those paying attention, indie games are making up the majority of of console libraries these days. All, um, all of my picks are indie games. So it's something to be said about seeing a game like I don't know. Heck, I mentioned it a lot. Let's say Astalon, right? Astalon Tears of the Earth. There's something to be said about when they're like, you can buy Astalon Tears of the Earth on the PlayStation Five, and it's like, why? Like, I don't care. Like, if it's the only system I could play it on, so be it. But it's an 8-bit style game yeah. on a PlayStation okay. 5. Who yeah? Oh, your counterpoint. You can say like, oh, they want you to spend more money to buy these games again. Counterpoint. These are all indie games, and I want these indie developers to have my money. Oh, yeah. Don't look yeah. at us not get Which a twist here. Like, but but at the same time, it's like, it's not necessary. That's, right? that's the point I was leading towards exactly. Like, Finally, everyone's catching up to me. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> like, like I have no quality. Like, I mean, the majority of the games I play and own are indie. Flat out. Yeah. But with that said, I can say that I love these games and play them while also admitting that if it weren't for the fact that they just have to be on the newest system, mm. they wouldn't need to be on it. They could be on an Xbox One or a PS, heck, a PS3 in some cases. This is like, a good segue for my first track. Oh, okay. So um, I dabble in game development. Oh, I like, you dabble? I like, I like to make little things. I use a program called Game Maker Studio. And it's a great tool for 2D games. Some people have done 3D stuff in it, but it seems like a pain in the butt, so I never do it. Side note before you go into your track. You yeah. should look into, is it called Pixel Maker? It's, I think it's called Pixel Maker. A lot of games that are coming out on Switch lately are referred to as the Pixel Maker series. Uh, give you some context. The most recent, like the guy who did La Mulana just released a game on the Switch that he did in Pixel Maker Studio. Uh and I'm enjoying it so far, though I'm having concerns because obviously it won't be La Mulana. There's just no so way. Pixel Maker Studio is a drawing program designed specifically for making pixel art images on the 3DS. But somehow these games are popping up on the Switch now. So oh. maybe that's how it started. Maybe that's how it started. I'll have to look into that. So maybe it's not that. But anyway, so the first game is going to be a game called Chicory or Chicory. Oh! A Colorful Tale. That was one of the top games on the Payport Player, too. How was it? So, um, anyway, I I dabble in game design and game development on uh, Game Maker Studio, which is a great multi-platform program. I do it on the PC. They changed their, um, their, (laughs) annoyingly, the past two years, they've changed their their model to be subscription-based, so it costs money now. Or just to have it. Just to have it. Before, it was like one fee, and you just had it. And now you got to pay for it every month or every year. I'm grandfathered in, fortunately, because I've been using it for so long. 
But um, anyway, so while I'm trying to learn about using that and looking up tutorials to figure out what, how to do this or that, they have a, a list of games that have used Game Maker Studio. Chicory was one of and them? And Chicory was one of them. They actually wrote an entire like um, like little blog post on the official Game Maker website on like how they did certain things and how they approached it using Game Maker Studio. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was like, oh, sh- shoot. <laughs> it came out last year. And the soundtrack was by Lena Rain. Mm-hmm. Lena Rain of... Um, Your game, Celeste. Celeste, thank you. That's your game. <laughs> that, that, that's why we're a team. Because I'm not, not going to remember these names so easily. Um, so anyway, this is really great. So we're going to listen to the track "Do the Impossible," which is a little bit of, a, of an anomaly on the soundtrack. It's a little bit more up up tempo, but it's called "Do the Impossible" from Chicory, a colorful tale composed by Lena Rain.
And we're back. You've been listening to Do the Impossible from the game Chicory, A Colorful Tale, music composed by Lena Rain. Wow. That, that was a pop. I like that track very much. It's really, really cool. So something about like the, the um, I guess the motif or the light motif throughout the track, that do-do-do-do-do from the piano gets played out through it. It sounds so much like like she would do in Celeste. I don't, maybe it's like her signature sound. But it's really, really upbeat with some kind of minor keys, so it still sounds kind of off a little bit, but it's, but really exciting and really hopeful. So I have a bit of a general understanding of what the premise of this game is, so I'm curious, like, what drew you to this one as one of your games that you want to play this year? Well, f- first of all, like, like the, the art style is adorable, and it seemed, like, really um, cute. Cute and sad. <laughs> I can dig that. So um, yeah, you're like a, you're like this little dog person in this world, and then all of the color is taking away, and you have this magical brush that is trying to color the world in. And, and, and most of it's a puzzle game where you're trying to figure out um, what needs to be colored in within these specific sections of the world. Does this, this, this need to be green? Does this need to be red? And then the people you talk to kind of tell you about what they need. But then also like there's this like story of um, artists and 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 depression. Oh yeah, yeah. like so. The one the bit that I know about the game is that the color disappears because the person that's responsible for providing color to the world just says, "I don't care anymore." Just straight up, like I'm tired of this. So uh, when your character goes and meets them, is like, "Hey, um, what, what, what's wrong? Is there, can I help? Can I help out?" And the guy's just like, yeah, "Knock yourself out," and just gives him the brush. Oh, so. From my understanding of a friend of mine who told me about it, 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 it deals with a lot of imposter syndrome type stuff because this yeah. person is now having to held this this massive weight of responsibility on their shoulders and they have to accept the consequences of that and they don't know if they measure up. Like it's an interesting concept. It put yeah. it on put it on my wish list for sure because of it. I yeah, like I was idea. watching the gameplay and they were all like talking to the main character and they're like, Oh, I wish we were as popular and, 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 and as famed as an artist as you and you're like oh do I need to be <laughs> better than I am um, but like at the same time like he's a cute little dog person and like the world's really really neat but I learned about this because I was reading tutorials and blog posts about Game Maker Studio and I was like oh wow this guy is making this really cool thing so now you'll be able to find out firsthand. Does it make the cut? It's going to make the cut, but it's more like, are you? How interested will you be? In, like, do you enjoy it? And well, this one is only on the PC and the Switch, so I may not get around to playing this one. Well, worst case scenario, like you could always well attempt that, like the PC to TV connecting that people do lately. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because I still have that PC back there that that I, I bugged you about. And now I have it back in my house. Yeah, so then we hook up to the TV, yeah. run Steam on it, and a controller, and you're set. I should be set. So maybe it will happen. Maybe it will happen. But there's some other games that I'm going to play later this episode that might take up some of that time. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, all right. So what's your next, what's your first track? All right. So my first track is going to be, it's hard. I, I like all my tracks. So every track is going to be a trick. But uh, this one is one of the two from this game. I feel like the last of the second one's going to probably come at the end of the episode because I want to hear them both or maybe another episode. We'll see. But this is from the game Psychonauts 2. And the track is the boss theme from the Compton's cook-off stage. Uh, And the composer is Peter McConnell. (laughs) 
Welcome back. You're listening to the boss theme from the Compton's cook-off stage from the game Psychonauts 2, composed by Peter McConnell. So, first of all, I love this blasted track. That's great. It's a grunge, grungy track. Very grungy. Yeah. And here's an interesting tidbit about this, and I'll get into why I picked the track specifically, and that's that this track sounds like nothing else in the game. Like, <laughs> no other track in the game comes out like this one does. And even when I heard it in the game, like, it was completely unexpected by me. But... This this level in this track perfectly encapsulates so much of what I like about Psychonauts <laughs> as a whole. So, for those who aren't familiar with, like, well, I said a little bit of a preamble here. So, there were three games that were released this year, or were released in 2021, that were like big games Purnell really wanted for years. And they all happened to release in the same year. There was Neo, The World Ends With You, right? Um, Shin Megami Tensei 5. <laughs> big one. And still playing that. I'm still playing that. It's going to be a long time. And Psychonauts 2, a game that I've been waiting for a sequel for since 2005 or 2004. Um, and this game delivers on all levels. This particular stage, you have to go into the mind, which for the record, I love the fact that this game has an entire arc devoted to like getting consent to enter someone's mind. Ooh. Like It's just unexpected and wholesome. I loved it. The entire game is freaking wholesome. Um, you go into the mind of a guy who was a former Psychonaut lead, and he has this issue where he like he can't deal with too much noise. Like he's he's like he's crippled by the idea of having to make decisions mm. and dealing with too much at once. So you enter his mind to see if you can help him out. And when you go inside of his mind, you end up on a cooking show, and the contest the the judge and the host are all puppets. They're all animal puppets. Goats, and actually they're all goats. Huh. Finger puppet goats. And the idea is that the guy is the contestant on the show, and he has to prepare a bunch of dishes for the show, and he's too nervous and he can't handle it. So the main character, Raz, is like, I'll help you do it. So you're running around this massive cooking stage, picking up sentient food <laughs> and cooking it. Like it's like you gotta take this you gotta take this pig and take him to the pig chopper and the pig chopper is an actual giant pig with an actual thing you have to activate and the pig can talk. He's like, this is kinda weird, I gotta say, because he's a pig chopping up a pig. And it's like the eggs you gotta boil the egg and the pig's like, I've been ready for this. I can't wait. I'm so happy to get boiled. And it's like you're going through all this weird nonsense, mass nonsense of like prepping this food, like you're sketching around, you're dodging blades, have to get to the, all the preparatory areas. You said the word sketching. I did. Which you made a joke about earlier. This <laughs> sounds like it's from sketching. This sounds like it's from sketching. This music is straight up sketching. And you got to go through this. Each of these things are timed, but it's not like crippling time. Like I was able to do it. I think I failed the last one once because I didn't realize it takes time to blend your fruit. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the dialogue across the entire level is hysterical. It's fun to prepare the food and get it ready and get it for the guests. But then, when you finish all the cooking segments, you enter the final round, which is double down, where they separate you from the other guy, and he has to cook the food. You have to give him the ingredients. But it's Psychonauts, and it's weird. So how does this play out? Well, the guy is behind stage cooking. And he needs you to get the ingredients. The ingredients come from the inside of the goat puppets. You're on this giant stage, and the goats are fighting you on the stage by, and I'm not making this up, they're throwing up and just, like, throwing crap at you, and it's, like, this weird chaotic mess that came out of nowhere, and you have to look 
and grab the ingredients out of all this madness and throw them into this like so the goat the puppet goats are throwing up at you and you have to pick up what they're throwing up and those are the ingredients those are the ingredients and you have to throw them out <laughs> to the guy and he's like i don't know if i want to cook with this and it's like we don't have a choice in the That's matter so weird and then when you feed when you make the dish there's like three rounds for three goats once you get all the ingredients out to them he cooks it and it comes out then you have to run up to the plate and use your telekinesis power to throw all the food at the goat's mouth and then smack it with the plate. <laughs> and then he blows up. And then that's that. And then when you beat them all, yeah. the final puppet like pulls off and it's the guy's hand. And it's like, it turns out, and like it was like an interesting metaphor where it's like the idea is like all the puppets were meant to represent other members of the Psychonauts team. Mm. And he never felt like he could measure up to them. He was always judging himself harshly oh. in their eyes. But then in the end, the worst critic, his harshest critic was himself because he was controlling all of it. It's like a... Oh, he was the one. He was the puppet master of all the puppets. Of all of it in his mind. In his mind. Yeah. And once he comes to grips, he's like, ah, eh. Oh, I love that. And it was just, it was just amazing. Like, I smiled this entire level and the boss fight. Like, I had a genuine, like, this is, this feels good. Like, this feels good. Good to experience. And you might be hearing me say earlier, so like, they're throwing up and you gotta collect it. I collect garbage pail kids, all right? So let's get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> but even still, like, it's not visceral in the sense where, like, oh, I can't. I'm, I have a weak. Well, the, the, the game it's is cartoony. Kind of cartoony. It has that, like, light. It's very to light. It anyway. And it's so, it's just, it's wonderful. So you, rec- you recommend this game? It's probably one of my favorite games. Period. Let alone this past year, like Psychonauts One, I played in two thousand, like in two thousand four or so. And even if the stuff, even if the things I could tell you about it that were like, okay, they could have did this better, or that mm. better. It has stood the test of time as one of my all time favorite video games. Like over the last, like almost like eighteen years or so, it's been one of my favorite games that I'll recommend to anybody mm. who likes platformers. Uh, and Psychonauts Two, in many ways, does it better. Like. You might say the worlds in one might have been better than the worlds in two or something like that. But, but it's still, it's, like, it's just, it, it's it, just up there. it improves on everything. Yes. Like, it's a fantastic game. Right. And I can't recommend it enough. So, we're going to switch gears a little bit. And we're going to start our new little segment that we're going to bring back every once in a while. <laughs> okay. This sounds like the price is right. <laughs> right. But it was so perfect. This is also from Psychonauts 2, by the way. But it was so fitting that this is the track we're using. (laughs) So this segment is called Board Game Beats. And the idea is that whether it's a review copy provided to us by a a manufacturer or a publisher, or we just have a game we want to talk about on the show, we'll ramble about the game on the show and give our take on it. Um, This is a game that I was able to play recently that I look forward to playing with Rob and his wife at some point in the near future. And it's called The Night Cage. It was published by Smirk and Laughter Games, and it was created and designed by Christopher Ryan Chan, Chris McMahon, and Roswell Saunders. Uh, it's a fan, It's a surprisingly interesting game that I thought would be complicated, but it really isn't. The premise is you're on a grid, and the characters are on the game, basically all the players. The premise is you wake up and in a completely dark space. You don't know how you got there or why you're there, but you need to get out. So you have to find some keys and then get to a gate to unlock the gate. But here's the rub. You only the only thing that you can see with is a candle that your character has. A so candle. You can, a candle. candle. 
and you can only see it's like ortho- orthogonally. Right, up, you can, down, left, right. Up, down, left, right. You can only see one space in each direction orthogonally of your character on the board. Mm-hmm. So when you move one space, you light the space around it, and everything that's no longer orthogonally next to you disappears. It's mm-hmm. gone. So, as you're exploring this maze, trying to find these keys that will pop up when you step on them, they come out of a stack of tiles. So you step over, you pull the tile down, that's a room. Tile down, that's a room. But when you leave that... When that... And that space goes dark again. Does the tile just get flipped over? No, it goes away. Oh, it just leaves. Because that's the interesting and game over mechanic. When you run out of tiles, if you haven't gotten out before you run out of tiles, game's over. You oh, lost. Oh, cool. Now, sometimes you'll come... So the things you can come across are corridors, which is just moving around. There's like T-spaces. So it's like, you know, left, right, and then out to the side. It's four-way intersections, and they're straight lines. Mm. Some of these have crumbles on them, which means if you step on it, the next turn, it collapses and becomes a hole. So if you don't get off of it, you sink. So and you can't, you can't hang out there. Can't hang out there. Yeah. There are monsters. Now, monsters are a trip. Uh, the way they work is when you come across one, you'll lay the tile down. And this is the base monster is called a wax eater. Now, for those who are familiar with the game Adventures <laughs> of great. Lolo, they function similar to Don Medusa in that... It is a monster that also can see orthogonally in all four directions. Now, the moment it comes out, the moment someone is in its movement range, mm-hmm. it triggers and it fires in all four directions. Oh, okay. So if there's a path that's connecting another player or you, they get hit. And if they mm-hmm. get hit, you have to discard some tiles. So you don't want that to happen. Right. Uh, you also get flipped sideways and your light goes out, which means now you can't even light the area around you. You can only step into a room blindly and hope <laughs> for the best. Uh, oh, that uh, the, the wax eaters because they're eating up your candles. That's right. Oh, that's cool. And I love this idea. It's really awesome. Yeah. It's really awesome. And uh, so you're in this scenario where you're like, okay, you might you can't see. The only way you can get relit is by another player walking up next to you mm-hmm. and relighting your candle. So you might think, okay, well, clearly the obvious bet is to just stay together and look around. But that's a bad idea sometimes because you can't stand on the same space together, which means if you ever have to backtrack and someone's behind you, well, guess what? You're kind of screwed. Oh, you're stuck. How how many players does this, does this hold Supports up? Supports up to five. Ooh, that sounds cool. And believe it or not, it sounds complicated, but it's not. Like, it's a really easy teach. Yeah. It flows well. The I'm only gripe imagining I can- it, like imagining how it plays out in my head, and it's just very simple laying the tile, almost like a dangerous carcassonne. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that, that sounds about right. Yeah. This is co-op. The only hiccup it could have, which I think on my house rule, is that you could get that person who wants to be like the game, the king maker, or the, the king, but the the game master, telling everybody the optimal move. Yeah, and co- that was co- co-op games always end up that way. And there were Not a couple always, people I was they, playing with that did that. Co-op games like, have the danger of ending up that way. Yes. Yeah. And it was rough because I was playing with some people and they were trying to pull that. I'm like, yo, yo, stop! They're like, because to me, I think the fun of this is well, for better or worse, because you don't want to lose. But it's like a horror movie in that someone might make a bad decision, right? In which case, like, oh, no, the monster gods because you yeah, went left. You, you should have went right. You have to play it out. Got to play it out. So the one house rule I thought about doing would be, like, you can only talk to each other with if you're within, like, a few tiles of each other. Oh, uh, I like that. yeah. So, like, you have, you're basically wandering. And I think it's part of the fun because, again, I like the idea of being, like, crap, I misstepped and I got killed, which means everybody died. So who died? Purnell killed the team. You know, but that's a horror movie playing out on the board. Oh, man. As opposed to just some being, like, hey, what are you across the house? Go over there. Like, eh. 
So do you do you remember the uh, the publisher or the designer? Um, Smirk and Laughter Games was the was the publisher, and it's a it's a good one. like I appreciate this was a, thankfully a game that they actually gave me to review, and I. I, I think I look forward yeah. to playing this with you no, guys. No, I'm really looking forward to trying this one out. This sounds like a lot of fun. And they also have other monsters that make the game even harder if you want to jam it up a bit more. Like, there's a monster where he becomes, like, a massive pit. Like, we're talking, like, 10 to 15 squares worth of pit. And it's, like, ridiculous. Oh, that's awesome. But, like, it's a really cool game. <laughs> it's a really cool game. Oh, wow. All right, well, we'll check that one out. I'll have links to all of that stuff on our website, rhythmandpixels.com. Um, and now we're going to get on to our next track. Our next track is coming from a game that I saw that looked awesome. It's called Unsighted. Oh, good pick. You know this one? I do. It's on my, Pernell, you played some of it, but now you got to get the heck back to it because yeah. you have too many games list. Well, I checked it out and I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks like a, a more methodical cyberpunky hyperlight drifter, but like really scary combat i don't know we'll get into it um, when we get back here but we're listening to the game unsighted the composer is fernanda diaz and the track is called the light manipulator That was the light manipulator from the game Unsighted, composed by Fernanda Diaz. Yeah, I want to boot this game up again now. <laughs> that sounds really good. <laughs> that was that's really really cool. I, once I started to to see some of the gameplay and read about the story, I was like, okay, I don't want to know more about it because I'm definitely playing this one this year. Like I can tell you right now, the only reason why I, well, aside from overload in general, but uh, the only real reason I didn't really. 
stick hard with it is because you know my issue when it comes to like decision making in games where they kind of gate you in a sense. Mm-hmm. This game has that in the sense that uh, the premise of the game, though I don't remember why your character is who she is. I do know that in this world, the inhabitants are all like kind of like robots, mm-hmm. but they're all on borrowed time. And different amounts of borrowed time, mind you. So not every robot is the same. Yeah, yeah. So the enemies are all on like a death timer. I know that. Not the enemies. You're the people. Oh, like the people. The citizens. Oh. So like you might meet a person in town and the game pretty much tells you in three days their clock is up. And in three days when their clock is up, they go crazy. So now they are an enemy. You have to put them down. Oh, interesting. So you're trying to get through the game, but also try to save as many robots as possible. I know there's a way you can kind of like give them more time. Like you can help them, but you can't. It's probably like a Persona S thing where you can save everybody. Kind of how you talk about how you can do all the social links, but you have to do it just right. Or you have to do it in the optimal way to help as many as you can. But I suck most people, the idea is you're supposed to play it and get the knack for it, maybe on a replay or two, be like, okay, now I have the optimal stream. I'm going to hit save everybody. Right. I generally only play games once, and yeah. I suck at not letting people go. I'm like, no, everyone has to live. And then it's like, okay, who are you going to save? Well, I want to save everybody. But you don't know how to save everybody. Well, I'm just going to not play. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to come back later. And then I just don't. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. I'll, I'll come back to them. You come back and they're like, they're, they're fighting you now. And you're like, oh, no. No. Yeah. So the, um, yeah, the world is kind of overtaken by robots or there's like a robot like race that has taken over the world or something similar like that. And the humans are considered unsighted. Like they don't want to see humans anymore. So I know that's where that comes from. And either you're fighting back or you're kind of working with them and trying to help them out. But I know that the the gameplay is it's top down. It's very, very dark and grim um, pixel um, uh, art style, and the combat looks really, really intense. And it's very like very heavily focused on parrying enemy attacks. I felt like there was a little bit of freneticness too that could say resembled like crosscode, which I like yeah. a lot. So yeah, so this this looks like a, a combination of all these things that I really, really like. And so I'm thinking this is going to be on my list of games to play this year. Well, if that ends up happening, let me know because that could be the excuse to say, I'm going to boot mine up and play it then. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when, um, when I started playing Hyper Light Drifter, it just like grabbed my attention. I played it right through to the end, like almost immediately. And um, CrossCode was the same way, except that it didn't hold my attention while I was playing it, but I really wanted to play it. This one looks like one of those games I'm just going to start just getting into. I feel like the big reason why this might help you more, this might work for you better than CrossCode, is that CrossCode is a lot of side quests and a lot of content, but it very slowly drip feeds new gameplay mechanics, and it's very easy to get bored of the same old, same old. Well, CrossCode was like, it was, oh, the meta metaphor for these online MMORPGs, but then you end up playing essentially an MMORPG by yourself. I'm like... (laughs) That's cool. I love that the world the world was enormous. Yes, it was. It was huge, but um, difficult to explore because it was still two-dimensional. Beautiful, but difficult to explore. So something a little bit more contained, more of a, of a, of a linear story. I'm into this. This looks awesome. Unsighted. Unsighted looks really, really cool. And the soundtrack by Fernando Diaz is awesome. It sounds so good. Especially there's more tracks like this in the game. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, I didn't pick the. Uh, I didn't pick the outlier this time around. <laughs> it looked. It, it sounds really, really great. So 
Um, I think you can get all of the music on Bandcamp as well if you search it out. Mm. It's great. And Bandcamp and I are becoming good friends lately. Oh man, every new soundtrack is just, just the artists are like, here you go. <laughs> Which I appreciate. It's all right there. But I mean, if it's not going, it's one thing if it's not on YouTube, but I feel like it should be available somewhere. Like, I, I hate the days where an OST would come out for a game. It's like, I love this music. Where can I listen to it? In the game. Okay, and where else? In the game. Well, that's when you get the rips, because people are like, oh, well, if you can only get it in the game, then eventually someone's going to be able to rip it out of the game. Unless it's an obscure or low-access uh, low title, in which case no one's ripping it, because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have enough buzz. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, actually, my next track is going to be that. Not, not that way, but similar. Um, so, but what's your next track? Let me get this out of the way, because it's going to be on the show. <laughs> if it weren't, you'd ask me what the heck was wrong with me, so... Let's do it. This is from the game Shin Megami Tensei Five. It is one of the battle themes, one of the many battle themes. Mm. I believe it's called Power, though I've been having difficulty finding like an official name for this track. Um, but it's composed by Ryota Kozuka and Toshiki Konishi. Welcome back. You're listening to the battle theme titled, I believe, Power, from the game Shin Megami Tensei Five on the Switch, composed by Ryota Kozuka and Toshiki Konishi. So, this, well, again, it's, anybody listens to this show in any capacity knows that Megaton games are my jam. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I had been anticipating Shin Megami Tensei Five for a long time. Now, you would think that being that it's a game I've been anticipating, I would have beaten it by now. You'd be wrong. Because <laughs> this is a Shin Megami Tensei game, so it's going to be a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I put it on hard mode like a goober, and I don't have a lot of time to play things. So, <laughs> I like for example, there's like a we have a Discord chat for Shin Megami Tensei 5 where we generally talk about like, how yeah, we made it. We made a whole channel for it. <laughs> and there's like one of the members of the group beat the game in like 62 hours. Like, okay, I'm done the game. I loved it. You know, it took me 62 hours. I'm like, looked at my clock. I'm like, I'm at 40 hours, and I'm barely halfway i'm not even halfway into it and a lot of that probably comes from the fact that i don't hard mode i'm on hard mode and i don't grind so Uh, like i don't walk in like 
I was actually talking to one of the members of the group. He's like, I got to grind for this. I was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Though, of course, if they want to, that's their choice. But as a friend talking, I'm like, don't do that. Um, as your friend telling you, no. Because <laughs> you told me, like, not to grind in Persona 5. You're like, just just do it. Like, any of the Persona games. Like, yeah. Actually, Persona 3, I came across, I came about it my own way. I'm like, I'm just going to boss rush until I die. Mm-hmm. And then I'll grind, or then I'll do something else. And in Persona 5, you're like, just do that. Don't ever stop. Don't stop. Just go until you can. That's right. Because with these games, the, the ideal... There's like there's optimal play methods to get the most out of the game, and one of those, probably the most important one, is that you don't levels don't matter all that much. What matters is alignments and skills because you want to basically hit enemy weaknesses to steal their turn or to mm. steal more turns, while also negating and blocking their attacks to steal their turns. Right, and that's similar in the Shimigami Tensei world. Even more so in this, uh, like to give you some context to this track and why I picked it, aside from the fact that it's friggin' awesome, is the fact that, uh, so for those that remember, a couple weeks ago I had the whole COVID thing. I was standing in line waiting to get tested. The wait in the line was about two hours. I was outside and it was not warm. <laughs> uh, but I also didn't care because I was fighting the boss at this trace for his name. is like Fionn Matt Kumhai. It was like a, like an Irish, like, or Celtic god. Um, and, First, uh, when I walked up on him, he ambushes you in the game. And the first round, he hit me and killed me. Like, one hit, he killed me, the game was over. I was like, what the heck did I do wrong? So, I came back and fought him again. The fight took, like, 30 minutes. It came down to my very last turn. I took a photo of what the party looked like. It was decimated. Like, <laughs> I went in and was like, okay, here's how I got to approach this guy. I know what he can do. Hmm build a team that's specifically designed to counter what he can do. Right. So I had guys that can nullify his attacks. I had to figure out what is what they call Magatsui attacks, which is like a super attack that everyone can get. But they earn it. Uh, I had to know how to counter that. I had to plan everything to the letter. How did Because you gotta debuff too. In this game, in Megaton games, debuffing is extremely important. Right. Always keep them down. On hard mode is really important. Because like I said, first round, he one-hit KO'd my team. Because I didn't play, I wasn't playing smart. And the second time, I was like, I'm ready for this jerk. I came at him hard. Um, and then I won. But I was in line like giddy, listening to this track loop over and over and over for 30 minutes. Didn't care because I love the track. It's so good and it gets you a pump. And it's like this level of like, it's sort of thing like people like to say, why do you play games on hard so much, Pernell? Or. Like, you know, I think we've had this chat with Ed a lot where he's like, I just like the game that lets me kind of cruise through the game. Yeah. And it's like, so why don't you, Pernell? Clearly, you're a guy who doesn't have a lot of time or you're playing too many games so you don't have time to play through everything. I'm like, well, because the thing that gets me happy with a game, one of the things that gets me really happy with certain games is that tension, that that requirement yes. to play optimally. Not a desire to play optimally, the requirement. And that if I don't play to a standard that is re- that requires thought i'm going to lose so you like the challenge that puts you on that edge yes like right, i, I want to be able to game. say like i beat yeah. this boss because of good planning and strategizing mm-hmm. and when i say that what i mean is if i don't do that i would have died right which means there was weight to the play style now there are games where I will put it on an easier setting. Like generally, games where I don't feel strong in the in the genre, mm-hmm. like an FPS, I can't play those on hard because I'm not good at FPS games. Yeah, something like this though, 
I oh, can rock absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I can see, like, I understand, like, this is what you've grown up on. Mm-hmm. And so you want that, you want that extra challenge so that it gives you that adrenaline. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Another metaphor, because I love metaphors, it's like saying, if I spent my entire life eating spaghetti and meatballs, it's a comfort food for me, right? You know, my mom made it all the time. But as I get older, I'm like, you know, I like spaghetti and meatballs, but I've always eaten spaghetti and meatballs. You need to jazz this up. Let's get some expert level spaghetti and meatballs on my plate. So now <laughs> I'm going to experiment with spices and seasonings. I got to make it that this spaghetti and meatballs dish is special. Yeah, I'm going to make my own pasta. That's right. Right. It's going to be special spaghetti and meatballs. So someone's like, why don't you just take the sauce and the noodles and put them in the pot and cook it? Like, I could do that. But I want I want this spaghetti meatballs. There's more to life. <laughs> yes. I want the good stuff. All right. So my final track is coming from a game that... I saw advertised, looked interesting, and didn't realize that this came from the developer Heart Machine. This Ooh. is Solar Ash, the creator of Hyperlight Drifter. Oh, like the, the guy who's running really fast on the plane. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, like on the, the yeah, but he runs. It's like a weird astral plane, like it's dark yeah, purple. Exactly. Yeah, black. yeah, I was like not a plane plane, but yeah. Um, this is called Solar Ash. The music again is by Disasterpiece. Soundtrack has not been released, so there's been a few ripped tracks online, but it came out in May last year. Um, we're going to listen to the track Wretched Ray. It's music from the final boss from Solar Ash.
This is Wretched Ray, the final boss music from Solar Ash, composed by Disasterpiece, developed by Heart Machine. So definitely a Disasterpiece track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this one, it's got the, the the similarities to Hyper Light Drifter is just the the color palette. The characters look very similar, but this, but as Hyper Light Drifter was a 2D, very 2D game, pixel art style. Mm-hmm. This is full 3D. It's um, it's a lot of platforming that's momentum based. So you're attacking and running and flying. Oh, so you can fly. Yeah, I mean, so like like flying, like kind of jumping, flying. Oh, okay. But like in, like you're kind of like grinding on rails and on the sides of like buildings and stuff. So it's almost a lot. It looks, but I'm sure it doesn't feel like like Jet Set Radio like almost. It looks really, really neat. So you're constantly kind of flying forward, forward, and forward, and forward. So you got that going on. And on top of all that, the game is mainly based on boss battles. And the bosses are enormous, like like Shadow of the Colossus. Really? Enormous, yeah. Okay, now you got my attention. Yeah, you're like from this other world, and your world, I think it's destroyed by these giant monsters, and they're they're attacking other planets. And so you're trying to go and warn and stop go to these other planets and trying to stop these monsters from destroying these other worlds mm. and um so basically it, prevent the fate of, of these plants prevent these plants from suffering the fate that your home did yeah that's that's what it seems like but the uh, but again the, the gameplay is really really fast paced it's very much like you have to keep jumping from place to place to place to place to place and uh yeah and fighting these enormous monsters which huh. look really really cool and the music by disaster piece means it's probably super moody and like really atmospheric because it's heart machine again it's all like really like bright purple and dark blue and super cool <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff i'm into and we were looking up earlier during the track play this is on windows and ps4 so it's accessible to both of us but sally and i kind of surmise this is now on the switch so no portability for p she's probably not gonna play it no, no, I might. Yeah. I mean, this is me we're talking about. I just, I'm just inundated with stuff. Yeah. I, I, I dream big <laughs> and play light. For, for, from what I've read, it's it's a shorter, short, much shorter experience, seven to eight hours. And like. That's the sort of thing that that likely will be the thing that I could get to because I'm, we're, I still okay. intend to do four in February again. So maybe that would be a good one for that. Okay, yeah. Short games are the way you go on four in four February. In, four in February. Maybe I'll join you. Hey, hey you. you Buying four games that take two hours apiece, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> that may be. Maybe uh, um, Untitled Goose Game. I certainly certainly did that one pretty quickly. Yeah, I heard that game's like surprisingly short unless you do post-game, and even then it's only like maybe another two hours added to it. I'm not sure if I did the post-game on that. There was like um, the the post-game of Untitled, Untitled Goose Game was like... Because each, each stage or each like section is like a list of missions you have to accomplish and then it was like harder missions it's just in the same stages mm-hmm. and I started to go through them and I was like nah that's alright <laughs> I've seen the ending the ghost the goose didn't title the game but he was happy and that's enough for me I, I don't know if that goose is happy or not maybe he is happy that he made everyone else unhappy I think that's, his, that's what geese do that's their entire thriving force They that's true so I work um at a building that's like right on the river, the Brandywine River in, in, in Delaware. And there's geese all over the place all the time. And the parking lot is up high up on this hill. And then there's this, um, this like walkway of stairs that goes all the way down to the bottom where the river is right up to the building. It's an old mill. Mm-hmm. 
And what the geese will do is they'll all like, and there's 20, 30, 40 of them sometimes, like so many geese and they'll line up on the hill. And sometimes like they're walking across the walkway and, and they will not stop. Like if you start walking close to them, they, they start flapping their wings. And like, what are you like, doing? They're like, back off, son. <laughs> You've come to the wrong curb. Like they love to just cause trouble. They congregate. They poop all over your cars in the parking lots. So I think what we, what, what we used to, so uh, Christy used to work with this one guy that we used to call him jerk face. And he would, what he would do is he would go up and like flap his arms and like, like, like scare them away so that when the people showed up to work, they weren't be bullied by these geese. Geese are bullies. Well, let's man. be real here. He's probably why all your cars got pooped on. No, they no, no, they get pooped on anyway. There's poop everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. I just feel like geese would be vindictive enough to go. That's the guy who shunned us. Wait till he goes away. Wish we got some for him. <laughs> now I have not seen geese on the car, but did they key? They could have keyed your car. Could have keyed my car. No, there's um, there's a lot of deer though. I've seen deer just like hanging out in the parking lot, and deer, like like way up on the hill, just staring at me. Especially when I work there like late at night and I have to leave, and like they're all just like suddenly there. I actually kind of like that. It's almost like Children of the Corn, but peaceful. Yeah, they have like this weird staring contest with the deer. Like, who's going to flinch first? The answer is always the human, because <laughs> deer can stand in one place dang near forever if you let them. Oh yeah, and I, nobody's got time for that. But I'll still try. I'll still be like, you know, I got this five minutes. Later. I'm tired. I'm going home. But they're so Uh-oh. quiet. It's kind of creepy sometimes. Where I'm like, oh, oh there's deer. Because especially at night, I realize that like I'm on their territory. I'm on their turf. Like our building is kind of out there. You know, it's it's, it's not exactly a public um, place. It's very private. So there's a lot of wild, a lot of wildlife, a lot of uh, groundhogs. Ooh, I like groundhogs. Groundhogs are really cool. As long as they're not on my property. Now he also gets uh, jerkface. Also feeds them, and what they do is they crawl out <laughs> off the side. But of you can them. feed groundhogs. Like, you shouldn't. You, like, what are you bringing them to feed them? Uh, he feeds them like some kind of like you call it groundhog chow, but I think it's for for dogs. <laughs> that's like groundhog, <laughs> yeah, that's on Amazon, groundhog chow. But they're so fat. They're so fat. They're precious. They're like I said, if, if it's not my property. I love them. I love them so much. If it's my property, go the heck away. Like, we, did, we did find a turtle once. A turtle was enormous. It must have been like, like 50, 60 years old. It was so big. Turtles are also huge. Fantastic. Turtle. They, they've always been like a favorite animal. That's why I like team, team, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so much as a kid because I always liked turtles even then. So I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, turtles are really cool. But like, fun factoid about me, um, the times where I generally came closest to getting into weird car accidents on the highway because of deer and it's not because I almost hit the deer it's because I stopped to look at the deer on an interstate <laughs> going 80 miles an hour oh deer <laughs> there was one time I was driving to I was driving home from work and I was at that intersection you know um, the 202 okay. turns into Wilson yeah. yeah there's the Acme there um, and there was a huge box turtle just crossing the road and that would freak me out because yeah, someone's got to stop and get him out of the road. Yeah, it was in the summertime, so um, what? And it wasn't going to make it, and there was cars going behind me. So I, as I was, it was like it's like it's like two, three lanes. So I kind of came to the stops to the stoplight while it was still, it was still green, mm-hmm. and I <laughs> and I went perpendicular so people couldn't pass. Were me. they honking at you? Oh, they were pissed, and I was like, "Come on," because you're not supposed to touch these things, and it was really hot out, and so I was like, sort of like. Come on, come Shushing on. Shushing I'm waiting for it to go. And then when I finally got to the other side, I I left. But You were getting in the car that one guy was clapping and like five other guys were throwing tomatoes at you. Like, get out of here! But you know, it's like like that's the situation where someone's not going to stop. And someone's not paying attention. And yeah, then they hit it and then everybody else is like, yeah, I'm going to hit it too. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I was on the road. So that, that's what got me worried. I mean, Because I mean, that's what people do. Like, it always makes me sad. Like, 
when I'm driving and I see roadkill on the road. Yeah. Because what that implies to me is that someone, and I feel like I genuinely feel this, it's more often intentional than accidental. Mm-hmm. When you see roadkill on the road, it's more likely someone was like, yep, yeah, get out of the way. Into it, yeah. There's a lot of deer that I find. I mean, deer they they just jump out sometimes. Yeah, deer is another story though because yeah. they're they're fast and they blitz out and then they stop for some reason. They could they yeah. deer is a thing where they could technically outpace the car, but they actually stop their momentum to look at the car because the lights freak them out. Yeah, so I fortunately that's never happened to me. Um, Brad hit one and it like totaled his car. Oh, they ruined and cars. He was like, yeah, he was really lucky to come away from that accident. The deer are. I, I I genuinely question the muscular fortitude of a deer because they take out fast cars. You don't move the deer. The deer stops your car. We've seen deer in this neighborhood, which is crazy. Oh, yeah, it might make sense. I mean, there's tons of trees around here. I could totally see deer. I mean, I've, there's deer near me sometimes. Ooh, I saw a blue heron on, at the creek. I love that. I, think, I don't like, understand the ecosystem here in a sense. That, like I have seen them before, yeah. but I've questioned if it was the right bird because, again, it's like... This is an urban area. Why is there a heron there? <laughs> well, they're, they're def- they definitely live um, at the, the Brandywine Park area, which is in the middle of the city. And so I've seen them there a lot. But, like, you don't, they're still, they're kind of rare enough. You still don't see it, but you know like what I've, you've seen. I've literally seen them looking out huge. my door. Oh, really? Like, I'll be standing at my door. There's a heron. I believe it because there's that creek outside. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I'm like, yeah. why is it? Wow. It's a heron. A and I get, a, I get really geeked about it. Foxes, deer. Yeah. And. Like the deer always freak me out. I'm like, this is too close to highways and roads for deer to be hanging out. But then again, they'll be on the interstate. Yeah, so. I see a lot of foxes when I'm running in the morning. Um, that's always really cool. A little, a little Delaware wildlife for you. <laughs> There's a lot of cool wildlife out here. A lot of animals. A lot of animals. Um, okay, so anyway, that was Solar Ash. I'm going <laughs> to play it this year. You should play it too. All right, what's what's your next track? So <clears throat> my last track is not a sneeze. Um, it's actually from a game that I had trouble choosing a track from because it's one of those games where most of the music is atmospheric. Uh, but again, this is about more so about the games and the mm. music that's in them, not these are game tracks I want to play. So I found my most fitting and still good sounding track from this game, and this is going to be it. It's from the game Returnal on the PlayStation 5. Is probably the game that I would tell people would be this game that would sell me on the system as an exclusive. No, exclusive. Uh, the track is titled Helios, and it's composed by Bobby Krillick, or Krillick, Krillick, K-R-L-I-C. Pronounce it how you want, <laughs> but it's his name.
Welcome back. You're listening to Helios from the game Returnal on the PlayStation 5, composed by Bobby Krillick. And so, yeah, this is a very, like, like atmospheric, albeit heavy atmospheric piece, in that I have trouble choosing tracks like that for, like, a podcast of sorts, because... Yeah. It's, it's, it's great for the game, but if you're not experiencing the actual environment that it plays and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, I mean, like, we, we focus on video game music. So if the game is fantastic, but, like, the music is fitting to the game but not good outside of the context, it's hard to, like, get into it. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I'm, like, I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, this is well-composed stuff. This is, this is legit, but I'm like, I'm not, I can't bop to it because it's not designed for bopping. Yeah. It's designed for mood. Well, our last two tracks, <laughs> definitely not, <laughs> not bopping tracks, but very moody, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Returnal. You said you, you, runs in this game? Is this like a roguelike? Essentially, but so to add some context to the idea, because somebody hear roguelike and go, here we go again. Uh, ha, that's, that is a roguelike. <laughs> here we go. Here we go uh, again. So House Marquee is a Sony studio that I only learned about from the PS4. Uh, though I be- Oh, no, I learned about on PS3 because they did Dead Nation. Um, but they pretty much are, a, my opinion, a well-revered um, in-house developer but they only generally release like one or two games per system gen. Mm. Like they're not the most active, but I haven't played a bad game by them yet. They're always bangers. And Returnal is no exception. The interesting premise about this, is there's only one character in the game and it's you. Uh, despite the fact that you see a lot, your character is exploring an alien world. She crash lands on it. And you quickly come to realize that you're stuck in a time loop. And every time you die, you relive the crash and you have to do it all over again. And you come across a number of corpses that provide information, and all those corpses are you. <laughs> Amazing. All of your previous deaths, not ones you personally lived in the game, but, but, you, I think, s- but yeah. you see the, all the bots like, here's the, uh, read the log from my previous life, and this is what my log found out for me or whatever. But it's a large, sprawling environment. So even though it's all roguelike randomly generated, it's big spaces. Not, we're not talking sheer and the wanderer type, you know, grids here. We're talking multi-layered, sprawling environments. Wow. And when enemies show up, it goes wild. Because another thing House Marquee games are known for is manic combat. Whether it be, like, large waves of enemies or bullet hell sprays, you're going to get it. And in the case of this game, it's definitely bullet hell. Like, enemies show up and they're hitting you with... The very first enemy you see is hitting you with, like, waves of bullets. And you're like, crap, how do I dodge this in a 3D space? I'm used to doing this in the ship. Um, but you get used to it. You get, like, a, jet, a booster jet. So you can, like, kind of jump and dash and stuff like that. And you're spraying it with gunfire. You have, like, a main gun that has, like, a sub-alternate fire method. And every once in a while, you'll come across a room that might have a gun in a chest. You have to choose which is the better gun to take along. Because you can't carry every gun. And they all have different firing methods and power levels and stuff. And you also occasionally find like different boons. Some of my, fa- my favorite aspects about the game is like you'll find like a benefit. But when you pick it up for like three battles, you're cursed. So you have to deal with this flaw. But if you can survive, you can, if you can outlast the flaw, you get benefits from it. Oh. So it's like risk for reward mm. gameplay. And some of those things can get rough, especially if you end up with like three at once. You're like, well, I can't dash. My gun shoots pea shots and my health is slowly draining. This sucks. But if I can get through it, I get double health and my gun fires rockets and like this random junk so, I'm making so up in my head. You said that this company does a few games per generation system. Like what, what else have they done? 
Um, Do you remember? Yeah, the ones I remember off the top of my head are Dead Nation, Rezogun, uh, Nex Machina, I want to say it was. That sounds familiar. And that's actually all I'm remembering. There's, I'm sure there's others, but that's all I'm remembering right now. Yeah, Rezogun's the only one that's ringing a bell for me. Yeah, Rezogun was great. Save the last human. Uh, that was like the launch, the big launch PS4 game, which is funny I said it because it was like a quick downloadable game, and they're like, this game is still worth it. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the game that looked like Defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You scroll. It's like a, it's a circular loop that you scroll over. It's like a 2D scrolling, but it's a circular loop, and you have to find the humans and pick them up and take them to the escape pod. It is exactly Defender. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun, though. Like, it's a legitimately fun and frantic game. Mm. Um but yeah, like I've, I only named a few games, admittedly, but nonetheless, I've never played a bad house marquee game. Like this, I'm happy with this. Mm. And again, like I bought, I got the PS4 on like almost on luck because I mean PS the PlayStation PS5. 5. I'm sorry, PS5 because I wasn't chasing them down because it was immediately hard to get. You and knew it was going to be a pain. It was going to be a pain, and I missed the pre-orders. I was like, I'll get one when I get one, mm. and it just turned out that I had a friend who had one extra. And rather than hit me with like crazy markings, like, hey, if you cover the tax or whatever, you got it. So I had to pay extra because we don't have sales tax, um, but I had to pay the sales tax for it. So I got it and I bought Returnal and like Resident Evil Village. Resident Evil Village is still on the shelf. I intend to play it, darn it. Yeah. But I just haven't yet. But I still wouldn't have counted that compared to Returnal because, again, Resident Evil Village is one of those previous gen plus current gen games. Like, you could play it on the PS4 or an Xbox One. Right, but Returnal is only PlayStation 5. Only PS5. Mm. And despite having other games for the system since then, including some exclusives like Ratchet and Clank or whatever, I still feel like Returnal was the one that made me go, yeah, this this is this was worth having the system for. Not breaking your neck and paying $800 for the freaking thing yeah. like some people were doing. Why are you doing that, by the <laughs> way? Um, but enough to say, if I'm going to get a system at launch or near launch, this is a game that makes me feel, okay, I, I'm happy to have this machine. It's not collecting dust on my shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good game for that. It's just not easy. It's a hard game. Now, we talked about earlier how the systems now they may not necessarily need to have a new system. You know, mm-hmm. Sony may not they may not necessarily have needed to create a new system. So, in the past, I've been like, oh well, you have the system now. Two, three years from now, it's going to have an enormous library of games. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. Like I, I'm in the same boat now because right now, given the current state of the economy yeah. and uh, supply chain issues and the like, there like Sony announced today or yesterday. Of recording, not the episode's release, um, that they are actually going to go back to making PS4s. Yeah. Because they need market share and they don't have enough PS5s and to a lesser extent, PS5 games mm-hmm. to justify their business yeah. right now. Yeah. The, the, the game development to the game hardware, it's reached this, this point now where, like, it's just, where, where do you go? And don't get me wrong, like I feel like if things get worked out, <laughs> if um, if things get worked out, they would probably end up getting back on track. Because what ends up happening with this stuff is that even if the system itself isn't fully required on the power scope to handle the game, they'll all still, that matters is they're putting games on it. Yeah, and they'll phase out the, 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 the 4. Yeah, the games that would have been on the 4 will just be on the 5. Mm. Um, whether or not they need the 5 to run it is irrelevant. Um, but right now, due to the fact that systems aren't coming out like they could because of supply chain stuff, they have to keep the old gen flowing so people can keep giving them money. So it's this is an environment 
I think that is fairly unprecedented from this perspective. Like Xbox doesn't have this problem because for the most part, they've been doing it so that most of their games have been able to be played on both. Like they've accepted that many of their games are just going to be performance enhanced uh, on the but, newer but Sony system. was starting to move everything into the new one. Not even starting. Their games were just like this. So the idea would be like, remember I mentioned Resident Evil Village, right? So Resident Evil Village, you could either buy it on the PS4 or the PS5. Uh, but by that same token, if you bought Resident and whoever's listening, if they're like, no, Perno, you're full of garbage on the Xbox, let me know because I'm maybe misinterpreting this. But Xbox, they have it so that it'll be like a Series X game but it's like compatible with like the 360 or the Xbox One or whatever. So you put the disc in and it just runs based off of the console you're putting it into. Okay. Like, I admit I don't own a one yet, uh, Xbox Series X rather, because I'm still, I'm really trying to get one now, but I'm only going to buy it at Target because I have a stupid amount of store credit at Target. <laughs> like a stupid amount. So, so so they're making their games not, not necessarily backwards compatible, but essentially like it works on a computer. Which computer do you have? Exactly. Yeah. If you have if you have this system, it runs way better. But if you have this system, it still runs. It's just not optimized in the same way for it. So, like, to me, I think that's smart because it's essentially saying we didn't block ourselves into a yeah, corner. It is a very PC mentality, like, like uh, computer mentality, which makes sense coming from Microsoft, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. whether or not they'll maintain that long term, hard to say. Because eventually, I feel like they will eventually start making this. Uh, these games only run on Series S because. It's not. We can't even optimize this to play on the old system. It's yeah. only going to run here. But for now, it's smart because they did officially stop making Xboxes recently. Like they, I think that got announced today too. Like Xboxes, Xbox One is done. Uh, now or maybe they announced it, but it came. It was announced earlier, but they made it public today. And now they're making Series X. Only the Series X and the Series S, which I don't even. I hate I, that I, distinction. Their naming it makes no sense. It's to me. stupid. They should, I mean, even if they just, even if they used letters. The letters don't mean anything. They can, they can what is this? What does Series X actually refer I to mean, like versus AB. Series S? I mean, if they went alphabetical, that would have been great. If it was like Xbox, then Y box, then Z box. But then they'd have like double A box. I don't know. Like yeah. they'd have to start over. Like Xbox was fun. Xbox. The thing is, like the the optimal thing is like numerics. Like the larger number is the better machine. Right. Right. Uh. But of course, it's okay if you come up with different names if you want to run. Like, that's what Nintendo does, like Switch and GameCube or whatever. But PlayStation had it right where they just, like, it's going to number it. It's the bigger number. Yeah, yeah. If Microsoft started naming things entirely, yeah, if they didn't call it Xbox something else, they just called it, like, you know, what else would they call it? They would call it the the micro. Or their code names. That's the yeah. thing that irks me the most. They, you hear about these code names they have for these systems. It's like, okay, the code name sounds cool. And they finally used to get system. It's like, no, nah, it's Series X. Like, Go with Centaur. This wasn't the actual one. I don't remember what the actual code name was anymore. But like, it could have been like, oh, Scorpio. I think Scorpio was one of theirs. Yeah. It's like, okay, imagine if the system was called the Xbox Scorpio. Like, okay, where do you play? I'm playing. A, it's on Scorpio. I like Scorpio. It's a good system. Versus, okay, it's on the Series X, but I could get the Series S or the Xbox One, the Xbox One X. Or the, yeah. yeah like, well, for me, I don't really. I haven't really been following, so I don't know what any of these things are. And everything I just named is a real name they've used. And Xbox I, One X. Who came up with that? And so if I were to buy a new system, I'd be like, yeah, the Xbox One. That's that's the newest thing, right? Right. And I, and I would be wrong. You would be wrong. I don't know. It's all confusing to me. We're going to get into the bonus round. <laughs> bonus round? 
bonus Why round. Why not just caught the bonus round? You know what? It's confusing because this isn't really a bonus round. It's not a bon- not, not a traditional a traditional bonus round for now. For now, a traditional, traditional. bonus <laughs> round has an authentic um, one. Has four cheeses, Ooh. two layers of meat. Oh yeah. That spicy tomato sauce, not yeah. that weak stuff. And never-ending breadsticks. Mm. You just keep eating them. I'm, say what you want. I love those. <laughs> I love endless breadsticks. Now, a bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on our theme. But we're playing a lot of new music, a lot of music from a lot of new games. So there's not a lot of fan-generated content related to this stuff. There's no remixes and covers. So we're gonna play some more games, right? That's right. All right, so. I found a game called Everhood. Have you seen this thing? Everhood. I feel like I did, but I'm forget. I'm maybe confusing with some other games that start with the word ever. There's a lot of evers out there. So this is a game called Everhood. It is a um, 2D adventure game, except that it's um, essentially all bosses, but the bosses are all rhythm based, and it's a, it's kind of like a dodge 'em up. Um, like shapes and beats, except that like you're a person and you're dodging the 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 attacks from the enemies. And every boss has its own music. Enormous soundtrack. I'm looking this up. Music by Chris Nordgren. We're gonna listen to the track "Ballistic" from the game Everhood.
And we're back here listening to Ballistic from the game Everhood, composed by Chris Nordgren. And Pernell's buying it when he gets home. <laughs> yeah, this game looks really neat. So it's just a series. It's just almost all boss battles, but all the boss battles are dodge em up style, but like not all the same style. Some of them come down at you in like Guitar Hero lanes. You have to dodge them that way. Some, some of them is like a bullet hell style and it's top down. And you have to dodge bullets from the enemies, but everything is coming at you to the rhythm of the music. And the story from the Nintendo page, all it says is you're a wooden doll whose arm has been stolen by a blue gnome. That's the story. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even it, know what that means. It looks really neat, like like really interesting and off the wall, wacky, but also kind of dark. But like because it's rhythm based, you know, it's going to be up our alleys a little bit more. I swear, it's like there's something about like I think it's just because maybe it's like the scope of the cost, or maybe it's because there's more minds at work with their and they're not inhibited by like corporate garbage. But indie games have this knack for just coming up with some weird, bizarre stuff that just makes you want to try it. Like I. Like, visually, you might be like, oh, this doesn't look appealing to me in screenshots, and it ends up looking better when you're playing it, but you're reading about what it is or the concepts, like, that doesn't make any friggin' sense. I want it. Well, the, 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 the market is so big. Like, the, the number of players is so, so, so big at right now, at today. That means that all of these niche games and genres have a place. Mm-hmm. If, it was, if it was so much smaller, like back in the day where it was like, you have Nintendo, you play Mario, you have Genesis, you play Sonic. Like that's all you had. But now there's so many people of all ages and playing, just playing games. And so there's all these room, like a, a developer can make a game like Everhood and survive. I think there's also, there's also one other component, I think too, though I might not be 100% on point with this. And that is, it falls back onto like, I talk about how like the the pluses and minuses of like social media and the internet. This would be a plus in that uh, due to the fact that you don't have to worry about being advertised in a magazine anymore. Yeah, you don't have to worry about getting a billboard anymore. Right. your game is out there, and once it's out there, it could get blogged about, it could get mm. podcasted about, it could be exposed in any number of ways that don't have to cost you a dime. Yeah, you can put in your own effort and do your own uh, marketing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot There's a lot more options out there for, for anybody to do this. And with review codes, like I think about that too because that's another way to get buzz, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, if a reviewer takes a code and they play it and they like it enough, they'll talk about it. So back in the old days, if you were to do a review stream, you're like, okay, you got Nintendo Power, you have Electronic Gaming Monthly, you got Game Pro and extra things. You had to get these guys, get their addresses, mail them copies of your game yeah. in the postal system. <laughs> yeah. Now you're just like, here's a code, download it. And it's, I mean, you got to pay obviously like Nintendo or whatever to like allow you to do that. Like they give you a certain number of like review codes to distribute, but I wager that still leaps and bounds more affordable yeah. than just like shipping a bunch of games out to people on the postal system after oh. manufacturing them. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now everything's digital. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about that. It's much easier for them to get their game out there to people to check it out and get more exposure, more dialogue streaming about it because you might want to, you know, like, I know it's like a little bit of taboo to do like how it comes up in the music. It's like, oh, exposure, <laughs> exposure. But like in the scope of this, I feel like exposure is actually that word of mouth. And gaming has this weird thing, and I'm living proof of that, 
where sometimes it's not even about playing the game. It's about dreaming of playing the game. <laughs> so you'll be like, you know, I want to play that at some point. I know you're not alone in this too. So there's a lot of people out there like, oh, the idea of this, I'm excited about it, you know, and they'll put money down on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to buy this. Yeah. When are you playing it? Yeah. Whatever. After I finished Persona 5. <laughs> That's right. All right. So what's your bonus round track? What are you going to go with? So this one, I had to bring it up on this episode because I... I might be in the minority here. I don't know. Don't really care. But I feel like this game has no business being what it was for me. And mm. that I described as, well, I'll talk about the description when I get to the game description. But this comes from the game Dungeon Encounters on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and the track is the battle theme for the Undiluting Stands area. And it's composed by Nobuo. Well, I see, correction. This kind of fits into the bonus round because. It was actually, it's a cover done by Noble Uemasa, but it's actually March of the Dwarves, composed by Edvard Grieg. Oh, okay. Welcome back. You are listening to the battle theme for the Undulating Sands area from the game Dungeon Encounters, released on the Nintendo Switch. I think it's also on like PS4 and Xbox as well. Composed by Nobuo, or covered by Nobuo Ematsu, but it was originally, like the original piece is March of the Dwarves, composed by Edvard Grieg. So, how do I describe Dungeon Encounters? Dungeon Encounters takes a number of the greatest people that have ever worked as Square Enix including the guy who originally came up with the active battle system from, like, Final Fantasy forever. Like, since Final Fantasy IV, it's been using, like, almost all of their games and then replicated in other games. Um, and it has like, places like Hiroyuki Ito, Hiroaki Kato, Ryoma Ito, and Nobuo Imatsu. So I look at this game as being the equivalent of, 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 Ryoto, of Mr. Ito going up to them and saying, I want to make a game. And like, okay, well, we don't want to give you much for this game. Like, we, we respect you because you, you're revered here, but we don't want to gain any money. So you can make a game, but this we the got... battle. It's just the characters' faces. Yes! So, and I'm getting to that because I swear to God, this is what happened. It had to be like, okay, we, we revere you here. We respect you. 
We ain't giving you any money. So you can make a game. We're going to give you a $500 budget. Make it count. Wow. So he goes, okay, well, what will the map for the areas be? Grid paper. You're just going to walk around on squares. What's the map layout look like? Literally the squares. There's no, like, art or anything. Some the, of the squares have numbers on them, and I think those numbers have items you can pick up. They're events. Like, so uh, the numbers are everything. Like, whether if it's a staircase, it's zero two or zero one. Oh my god. If it's a warp, it's OE. If it's a battle, it's a black number ranging from zero one to like AD or QF or something. Like it's all like tabletop RPG visuals. Uh, battles are character portraits side by side and the enemy puts on the other side and ATB bars moving with the music playing and you select an attack based on the equipment you have on. Mm. Uh, you can earn abilities that can be found and they're not exclusive to the characters. The abilities are like party based and you can use them if you've got ability points for them. Like it's, it's as bare bones as it gets. And the music is literally, in my opinion, this is a joke, but also serious. It's no boy Matsu in his garage saying, I like classical music. Let me riff on this for a bit. And his wife's like, honey, it's time for dinner. It's like, hang on a minute. I got one more track to I, cut. I got to do Fight of the Bumblebee next. <laughs> I got to fight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> Done. Okay, time to eat dinner. Like, it is, it is like just expert level amateurism yeah <laughs> it's, it's 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 stripped down it's everything stripped down to its core elements trying to be done as cleanly as possible and it's still addictive like it's and that's partly that's a large part of why it's on my list to me this game proves that a good that the mechanics the core mechanics are all you really need in a truly good game. Mm. Everything else is just butter on the roll. Like, yes, this is delicious bread, but... <laughs> I that's my favorite metaphor tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is just butter on the roll. It is. Like, because, yeah. I mean, I'm playing this game, and you if you were to come up to me and watch me play the game, and like, so, this looks boring. I'm like, yeah, it does look boring, doesn't it? <laughs> but I'm, I'm already, like, 25 hours into it. Like, yeah. I really like this game. And if you were to say, Pernell, do you recommend this game to me? I'm going to go, I don't know if I feel comfortable recommending it to you. Because, again, it's... Uh, do you it's like these of, things? Or do you really like these things? Do you really things? like these things? Do you like these things despite everything else? Mm-hmm. Then maybe. And the game is hard, too. Like, yeah. uh, you get, like, for example, um, eventually, like, the first 10 floors, is like, okay, this is rough, but I can roll with this. And you, the idea is you want to map every tile on a floor because if, if you map it all, you get ability points, which lets you equip more abilities when you find them in the dungeons. But the first few floors are like, okay, no problem. I got this. Then as you get further in, the floors get bigger. So now a floor can have like a thousand tiles on it. You got to run over all of them. It's quicker than it sounds, but yeah. it's still time. Um, and the enemies, they start coming up with some really jerk bag attacks. Like, um, so you have a, a armor level, a um, a physical armor level, a magical armor level, and then your hit points. Enemies do too. If you knock out all of the physical or the magic and then attack with that type of attack again, you hit the hit points. Mm. At the end of every battle, you regenerate all of your armor points, but not your hit points. So your goal is to push through and not let your health get attacked. Oh, or that's a great mechanic. And at yeah. first, you're like, okay, I can manage this. No problem. And then you start finding jerk bags, like the zombies who can attack you and just go right to your health and drop it to one. So, yeah, you're still alive, but if any of your armor gets cut, you're going to probably die. <laughs> so you're like like a big bag of blood. 
<laughs> in a suit of armor. In a suit of armor. In a suit of armor. Uh, you can get petrified. If you get petrified, armor levels, health doesn't matter. If it connects, you're petrified. And if it happens, you have to leave the party member on the tile they got petrified on because you can't drag them. <laughs> so they're stuck there, and you have to find a place in the dungeon and put the coordinates of where the person was left to unstone them. Then go get them. If you die on a space, as you get a party wipe, mm-hmm. they send you back to the home base on the top of the dungeon. You have to bring a new party group down. Keeping in mind, you have a limited number of people. You start with a certain batch of people, like seven folks, seven or eight people, and you can find some as you're exploring the dungeon. They're wandering. If all of your party members die, your game is done, as in the file is done, and you got to start again. <laughs> and if that part, again, if that group dies, you have to go to your home base group, take another group down, and retrieve the old party. Now, here's where it gets more bullcrap. If you had a party of four, all four die, you can only have a max group of four. Right. So if you go down there, you got to have space in your party to bring them back up. So you got so there's four down there. You got to do like two at a time or one at a time. Yep. Oh <laughs> it's cruelty and yet it also makes thematic sense because when you really lay it on the table, how are they going to get back? How, yeah, I wonder if they laid all these things out and they said this is these are all the things we want to include and they're like what would it take to implement it? Well, if we, if, we, if we were to do it graphically, it would take another 20 years. And they're like, no, 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 no. I want to do this We now. got 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, we're shipping next week. Like, well, right. we got some graph paper. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can scan it. Well, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com. And we'll have links to all of these games and artists' band camps and SoundClouds and where you can buy the music and support the artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 31-2 of Rhythm and Pixels. Um, our top games or, or most interesting or, or want-to-play games of 2021. I'm actually, our last year. I'm actually slightly sad that we already chose the topic for the Patreon because when I was on my way over here to record this episode, I was like, I really wonder what the patrons' top games of 2021 were. But we already have the Patreon episode topic planned out, so crap! Can't do it twice. Um... But I am genuinely curious about what other people chose for this, but it's it was a surprise. Oh, I can't even use that statement anymore because like a lot of articles will be written by Kotaku and are like, oh man, this was the best game year of games yet, or you won't believe what's coming yeah, next year. Like top newsflash 10 games that you missed of 2021. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but like newsflash, every year, short of a collapse in the industry, is a good year for games now. Mm. Because the industry has exploded and has unveiled a list like we talked about earlier like there's so much access to development now and getting your games out there that short of a crash there will never be lacking for good games to play anymore and I state that confidently like there will always be a fantastic year for oh, games oh yes tools are available enough for people like me to dabble and then 
other people to dabble and then create something incredible that gets uh, that gets released out into the and the game wild. that's um, that you that you chose the music from right here is a prime yeah, example. So of we're it. listening to music from Unpacking by Jeff Van Dyke. Now, I'm not a hundred percent accurate on this. I'm I'm admit that I'm basing this off of something I read like a month or two ago, but. This game was like a passion project of like a husband and wife pair, and they put went in some ridiculously, you know, in depth, intricate detail to model every physical object that you can use in this game. Because the idea behind this game is a person is living their life, like they're moving room to room, house to house, and their life is being shaped as they move. And every time they do, they have to pack and unpack everything they own. And you, as the player, have to unpack their belongings and put them where they belong in the home. Where do they belong? You figure it out. Yeah, wherever it fits. Wherever it fits. Yeah, but it's like um, like they're, they're going to college or then they um, then they get married and then they have children and you have to like kind of unpack and pack and unpack and pack all these different parts of their lives. And it's weird because like yeah. at first when I heard about this game, I was like, why in the heck would anybody want this? But then a few things happened. One, I remember that one of my favorite games of 2020 was Wilma's Warehouse. And the entire premise <laughs> of that right. game was organizing stuff in a warehouse. <laughs> and I didn't expect that game to click either. And then I ended up falling in love with it. So I was like, okay, I realized that this could still work. Yeah. I've already broken that mold. Second thing was, as you're hearing right now, the music feels really good. It yes. feels really good. Well, Jeff Van Dyke has done a lot of big games. And games that you would know, too. Uh, Assault... Uh, Assault Cactus. Oh, no, oh, he's Assault Android Cactus? Assault Android Cactus. Fantastic yeah. OST for that Along game. with some other stuff like Rome, Total War, and some other big, big um, uh, RTS-type titles. Oh, enough of that. None of that. Assault yeah. Android Cactus. Yeah, I was like, that's the Great one. Great music. <laughs> that's the one you're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and then the, the other thing about this that's especially cool and is weird in that this would be it is that the game tells a story, but it's not a story you'd expect coming in because... Again, this person is moving from place to place and you're unpacking their belongings. So you might be unpacking their eight-year-old self's possessions in their children's bedroom. And they might have, you know, you know, a bunch of stuffed animals and, you know, cute little sundresses and stuff like that. But then when you move them again, they're like 18, you're going to college. And you might notice all those stuffed animals, exception of one, are gone. She got rid of all of her stuffed animals. And she changed her style of clothes. She doesn't wear sundresses and such anymore. Now she's wearing like grunge clothes. I'm making this up because again, yeah. I don't remember to the letter what this person had in her house. Yeah, um, but it's definitely like you watch the growth and the change yeah. in this person's life. You might see some momentum that she decides that she had from one situation, but when she changed, she moved on. She's like, I don't really want that anymore. She gets rid of it, or she adds new things to her life. When she gets married, now you're unpacking things that are owned by two different people. So now you got to put it in the spaces you want to separate. So she gets her cabinet, he gets this cabinet, or she gets this cabinet, <laughs> her roommate gets this cabinet, and then it's just wild because again, everything isn't even. There's not like a thing that's saying you have to put this right there. You have to put this right there. You're putting it where you believe it belongs. And while the game does have an idea of where stuff should go, it's not telling you where it should go, which means there's a ton of answers to everything. You might get a player who's extremely articulate with how they organize things. So they might have things neatly folded and pressed in this very specific drawer. All 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 the shorts go on this drawer. All the shirts go on this drawer. But everything else goes in the little box in the corner. Whereas me, I'm like, shirts and pants. There you go. 
that's the shirt and pants cabinet. Yeah. And this is all the <laughs> everything. All the shorts and sh- t shirts, they're all in one drawer because I'm just going to take them out together and wear yeah, them anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just an amazing idea. <laughs> it's, it is. It's that at, at 20 years ago, you wouldn't see a game called Unpacking. It wouldn't exist because no one in their right mind would have put the money up to say, let's make this game. But today, this can exist on a budget that's affordable by the developer. Mm hmm. They can put it out there on Steam for the world to see. And it can speak for itself. It can make its own way. People can get a chance to say, huh, a game where you're unpacking clothes. That sounds like a LARP. I'll give it a try. And it becomes what it became, which is an indie darling. People love unpacking. Yeah, it's It looks amazing. This is definitely on my list. Some other honorable mentions on my list are um, The Record of Lotus War, Deedlift, Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. Good choice. That game is great. Looks awesome. And then also Deathloop. Also interesting. That one's weird in the sense that uh, do you, are you familiar with the general premise, like what you're trying to do? And I don't. I know that the music's by Tom Salta. Oh and yeah, and it looks really neat. The idea is that you're like I mentioned. I think we had another game. This episode did the same thing. You're in a time loop, uh, like Returnal. Um, you're on an island where it's like a cult, a group of cultists, and the idea is that they want to just relive the same day over and over because they're freaking bonkers in that way and your guy is there to try to end the loop mm. now the only way you can end the loop is by defeating eight key targets on the island in the same day now initially it's impossible you can't but if you defeat one you'll get an ability from that you can carry on with you to subsequent days and you start uh, figuring things out so eventually you have to come up with this optimal path to kill all eight generals in one day using the abilities you gain but in addition to that mm. There's also an assassin, in addition to the normal enemies, there's also an assassin trying to stop you. It can either be computer AI or a human player that's dumped into your game to find and kill you. Oh, interesting. So you could be the person dumped into someone else's game. Trying to kill them. Oh. Stop them from completing the, from ending the loop. And it's just wild because I played it. I have it at my house too. I bought it. I got a good, I got a really good deal on it. But I also played it. At uh, the HPP um, house, like Hayport Player guy's house, he had it. Mm-hmm. So the idea is like when this when this person shows up to try to kill you, you don't know whether it's AI. At least I didn't at the time. Whether it's AI or a human. If it's AI, it can still be tough. But you might be like, oh, I can weed this out. But if it's a human, you're like, oh crap, they're shooting at me. What are they going to do next? You don't know what they're planning. Is yeah. they're an actual person trying to kill you yeah, in you, a game you can't world? Guess like what, where they're going to, how they're going to move. Right? And someone might be hearing this and go, "Well, your Dark Souls did that ages ago. Get well, noob, or whatever." But the idea to me is like it's something different about Dark Souls. Is a very meticulous combat system. Like you see the guy, and sometimes they get this whole honorable thing where like they bow to you and everything, and everybody's like, it's like a one physical combat. Deathloop is guns in a large space. You have a guy trying to snipe me from across the room. <laughs> you don't even know he's out there. All of a sudden, a bullet just skims by your head. Like, oh crap, he's coming for me. <laughs> you're trying to outrun them and figure out where they're at. It's a whole yeah. other feeling. So yeah, you're selling me on that. Sounds cool. It's a PS. It's not PS5 only, right? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. But that's definitely on my list. So th- those are my three honorable mentions. Definitely. Um, the, the, I almost got. I almost got lit in Wonder Labyrinth today. But I was watching some gameplay, and I was like, ah, "It's it's it's Symphony of the Night." I mean, she even moves like Symphony of the Night. So, well, only in the sense of it's Metroidvania, but it has like a Outland slash Ikaruga gut vibe too. Yeah, that, uh, that's you true. You get those two. Did you see about the part? You get the Wind Spirit and the Fire Spirit. 
and one can absorb like you absorb the bullets or you can't absorb the bullets and one powers you up one de- devalues yeah. your other or whatever like that. it's, it's crazy. also and that's not the Lotus War I haven't thought of Lotus War in literal years which yeah. is really cool it just it actually amazed me to realize that there's still a fan base for it even today yeah yeah, but um, we should uh, wrap up here. We're actually getting on to two hours on this episode, which is interesting. Well, it's a gusher. Yeah. Talking about games we like. Well, um, if you would like to contact us, if you like to have a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, or if you uh, agree or disagree with any of our uh, game suggestions from today's episode, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. You can get a full track listing of this episode and access to all of our episodes at the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels. We have a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit radio station playing all day and all night long. That's generally what 24-7 means. Um, I added some new visuals to the station, so go check that out. There's like some cool flashy stuff playing around in the background on the uh, station. So I'm really proud of that. So check that out. And um, if you want to support the show, you can um, subscribe or rate and review wherever you are listening to the show on. Or you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. As a, a member there, you get access to prequel episodes. You get access to monthly live stream episodes. Um, you can get cool stuff like uh, mugs and t-shirts and stickers and we also like to thank all of our patreon members at the end of every episode i want to thank um a new patreon member kevin mckay uh thank you very very much for supporting the show and we want to thank frankly zappa Kristen, mike myers alf person fashion 8060 alex the messenger from a vgm journey andreas milberg brian pitt carmen worma kung fu carlito carlos from the heroes 3 podcast Chris Dienerson, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219, Christopher Senstrom, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Michael Bridgewater from Forever Sound Version, Michael Jennings, Rage Cage, Reinhardt Selkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, The Autistic Gamer 89, and Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy. Embassy? Embassy. 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 And also, you got to put out there that, hey... Rage Cage is a one step closer. That's right. He's uh, on his way. Rage Cage is on his way to uh, starting up his own podcast, and we're really looking forward to that. That's right. He can start his podcast, and then we can end ours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should also say that um, Chris Tienerson, um, who has been a, a member of our, po- our, our our Patreon for a long time, um, has a uh, podcast, new uh, podcast episode that he's created called um, VG Jam, mm-hmm. Video Game Jam. <laughs> where him and a friend, they listen to um, a video game music piece and they try to compose original music inspired by that piece. So check that out. It's VG Jam! Exclamation point. Uh, you can find that on online, on their website, and wherever fine podcasts are delivered. I love that I can describe it as being a delectable piece because it's actually VG Jam. It's jam. Bread and jam. Yeah, their their logo is a toaster with, with jam on the toast. That's right. Don't, don't put the jam on the toast before you put it in the toaster, though. Well, man, maybe if I want to be on it, be adventurous, maybe I will. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for your continued support of our show. We greatly appreciate it. Um, we will announce our live stream episode coming up soon. Probably, it's it's probably going to be next week, next Thursday, the twenty seventh, and it'll be all over our social media and our website and stuff. Um, the topic and the date. So we'll see you then. So we mentioned it. I think we just re-mentioned it here just because we remember. I think I remember. It was like, uh, oh, it was the unexpected multiplayer again. 
So, but for the patrons. So, I'm trying to think, should we come up with a separate thing in case someone's like, I have no idea what the heck you guys mean. Or maybe, you know what? It's unexpected multiplayer. Challenge. But if by, it's a challenge. But in the event that you are like, I can't think of anything, because I'll admit it was hard for us, too. Um, favorite multiplayer is also workable. But pursue unexpected multiplayer. That's the intention of it. Yeah. Pursue it. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your dreams. Put a little butter back on that biscuit. All right. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week with a new episode of Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a safe week. And remember, uh, this is some, definitely something I've said in the past, but it's perfectly fitting for this episode topic in that, you know, video games are coming out a dime a dozen now. There's so freaking many and they come, they hit all walks of life and they all take various amounts of time to complete what i'm going by here is that ain't no way in the world anyone's going to beat every game that comes out every year you're not going to experience them all it's freaking impossible so what does that mean it means not everybody's game of the year or games of the year are going to be the same um they are very diverse and what that is up entailing is sometimes you're not going to hear the one you want to have described and that goes for me too. Sometimes I'm like, what is your favorite game? I'm like, what the heck I'm talking about? I ain't played that game before in my life. Or, you don't like this game? But guess what? Maybe they never played the game that I think is great because they didn't know it existed or they didn't have the time for it. Could be a number of reasons. But that's all the more reason for you to express it to others. Like, this is a game I liked. Tell me, tell us about the game. What is it about the game you liked? Is it cool? Is the music great? Because sometimes it's not just about playing the game, especially when there's no time for every game. It's about sharing the experience with other people so they can at least experience it vicariously through you. And vice versa. It's fun to tell people about stuff you've played and liked. That's another way to experience something you've already played through. In fact, that's, for me some ways, that's sometimes the best way to experience a game is to talk about something I've already done. It just feels great, as you can hopefully hear in the show yeah, proper. Create that like social experience, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. So tell us what your favorite games were. <laughs>